one of the things I never cross my brain is that kids would ever watch a show. Yeah. Because I don't. Because there's no kids in your neighborhood. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing it for kids. If anything, I was imagining a more of an adult theme thing. Like I'm picturing what we're doing is like what the comedian podcasters do. Only our content is Christian is the Bible and our own Mm -hmm. struggle and the, the things that we're learning and encouraging each other in, in the Christian faith. They're coming up with new jokes and talking about crazy stories that they did in their past. But that's the, that's the culture. That's the people that, I mean, the podcasting world, that's what I'm imagining. And I understand that the, what we're, the product we're creating is something new and different and not something that's normal or common. And I like that. I think that's one of the best things about us is it's like, okay, it's using this podcasting platform that other people use for entertainment and they're doing it, but they're talking about things that a Christian would relate to. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like kids, I would be like, no, 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 no. Like that's not, there's no kids going to listen to it. And then it's like John Hart's like, Oh, just so you know, my kids listen to it on the way to school. So like, maybe they shouldn't do that. <laughs> and your kids always listen to it. But on the other hand, it's sort of a catch 22. Cause it's like, well, I don't, I didn't imagine kids watching it. I wasn't ever setting out to do a show for kids, but yeah. it's actually a good test because it's like, well, okay, what did you say that, you know, kids wouldn't, be able to hear now with four or 10, anything less than 10, that's going to happen because there's parts of the Bible you wouldn't want to go into depth with. Yeah. Like Stevie's hat. Um, like Stevie's hat, <laughs> but that's still, that, that would still be very God on Like if Jesus was in the room, I would still have that conversation with him, even if it was too old for a 10 year old, but anything that a maybe 13 year old couldn't hear, well, then maybe you shouldn't say it because what is it that they couldn't hear that, you know, you want to, you find entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a funny balance because do you, so if you're reading through the Bible with your kids, which I am, do you just read it and just let it speak for itself and just whatever it says, you say it. Or do you kind of like, oh, this is maybe not exactly your age group. When I'm, when I'm reading the Bible with my children and we get to a funny part of the Bible mm-hmm. that I have to make some, I have to make some decisions on how I'm going to read it. Sarah will be over there like, like, Tee-hee. like she can't handle it. She's like, how are you going to get out of this one? But um, I think I would do the exact opposite of what's the right thing to do. And what do you think that is? Well, or what do you think that you would do? I think what I would do is I would get really kind of like almost excited and I would be like, all right, so this is the bit, this is the grown up part of the Bible, but I'm going to tell you, and I would make it like, instead of editing it or brushing it off, I would make it like really salacious and like exciting. Like they're getting in on something that they should, they're like, you guys aren't old enough for this, but Hey, it's in the Bible. I'm going to show you. 
this is how real the, you know, I mean, and I'll be like, you know, and Samson has spent the whole night with prostitutes. And it's like, he, he let them giggle about it because in some ways it's like, you know, make the Bible fun. Cause that it would, it, it's like if a kid gets to see a movie that he thinks he's not allowed to see, that's a mm-hmm. thrill because it's like, Oh, they don't, mom and dad would never let me see this movie, but they don't, they must not know or something like that because they're letting me watch it. And it's exciting. Yeah. Um, and so I think I would just try and make the Bible as fun as possible. And those are good opportunities. I'm not saying you just expose them to topics that they shouldn't be thinking about, but you can, you can make it like exciting and then brush over it really quick and make them feel like, Ooh, I got to hear a secret. Yeah. Well, so I understand that thought. And that's not the right thing to do. I'm not a parent for a reason. But there's, here's the deal. You're dealing with kids, kids who are innocent, who don't understand things, right? Like they don't understand everything. They, yeah. they're, they're very innocent and they haven't figured it all out. Mm-hmm. So when you're going through a list of things you're not allowed to do to animals and to your aunt's nephew and to, you know, like, like th- there's a list of things you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If you just read it straight up, they're going to be like, what, what exactly is happening here? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we're not going to get into that. Where my son, he gets it. In fact, he'll be like, hey, Dad, you might want to pre-read this section uh, because we're going to get in some uncharted territory. He knows, mm-hmm. right? Like, he gets it. He he understands it. He reads it. And it makes sense to him. Yeah. But, you know, uh, for the for the younger girls, it's it's you, you have to tiptoe a little bit more. So... Um, now I think for Stevie, it's a little bit more like that. He's like, oh, I'm going to go back and make sure I read that. Yeah. So, but, uh, but you know, it really depends on the kid and the age. I think, I think it's, there's some wisdom there. A hundred percent. I completely defer to you. What I said was stupid. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what I would do probably if it was like my nieces and nephews. Cause I don't know any better. I'm not a parent. I don't, but <clears throat> you know, I do know this and my parents, they still don't really understand it. The parents see their kids and they identify the kids and they know where the kids are at. Each one is at, and they, they exercise judgment and try and parent cater their parenting to that kid and to the relationship they have with that individual. This is a great theory, but what parents need to realize, or they don't realize especially when you have like more, a a lot of kids, Mm -hmm. the majority of the kids lives, if you looked through their, if you were looking at it from their point of view, their upbringing is parents are in charge, but they're normally in the other room, but they're always in the same room with their brothers and sisters. And there's a culture of the brothers and sisters that's separate from the parents. And when one kid learns something, now it might be different with uh, the genders with, with like Stevie and his sisters, but like when, mm-hmm. when the oldest sister learns something, she's going to talk about it to the younger sisters, whether they're ready or not. I exposed gotcha. my little brothers 
who is six years younger than me to a lot of things. And I had very graphic conversations with my brother about anything in life because, hey, I'm as I discovered it, I want to talk to someone and he's the only friend I've got. And so we just, you know, the younger brothers grow up faster because they got their older brother, not only because the older brother has more abilities, but that older brother has been telling them things and whispering in their ears and sharing things because that's what brothers do. That's what, you know, you're in the family. So, or, or we're just getting back to just, just an element of you that you're, you know, it's not just an element of me because I left and Josh was 12 and Michael was only six. I got six brothers and they'll all tell you the same thing. And I'll, Hmm. and I guarantee you, if you were to talk to um, your in-laws that it was very similar in that family as well. Interesting. Where the little, the little boys are getting pulled into Jeeps and taken on and doing things that they never would have dreamed of because they've got a 14 year old brother who has a 16 year old friend and they decided to bring the nine year old because that's what you do. (laughs) Like all of us brothers and sisters, we, we, we share everything. So we're always telling, well, what, what did if dad said something to one kid, it gets out, especially if that kid didn't like it or didn't agree with it. And mm-hmm. same with mom and same yeah. with, it's just, so anyway, just be yeah. ready. Cause it'll happen. You'll see it. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so Stevie comes from a long line of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. All of Sarah's brothers were wrestlers and some of them are really good. Yeah. Uh, I think Philip and, uh, well, and John come to mind that they were pretty good wrestlers. They were all they were all brawlers to some degree, but uh, but pretty good wrestlers as well. And my family, my my uncles were all really good wrestlers. Specifically, my uncle Ed, he wrestled in college, mm-hmm. and uh, and so there's a long history of wrestlers in my family. Well, Stevie. Uh, kind of fell into wrestling at his middle school this year. Cool. So he's been wrestling every day for the last two weeks with his wrestling team at the middle school. And it's kind of interesting. Like, I, you know, I don't know. It's not like I'm teaching him big-time wrestling moves. I wrestled a little bit, but it was only for like two years in middle school. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't that good. I didn't do it long enough to really develop any major skills. Mm-hmm. But so Stevie, he's been doing this for about two weeks. And there's a kid on his team that he's like been undefeated, right? But he's one of the kids that's in Stevie's weight class. And so they did like a mini competition at wrestling practice where the kids teared up to, you know, like a tournament. Mm-hmm. And so during the tournament, Stevie wrestled this kid that's never been beat. And, nice. uh, and I guess Stevie beat him. So, so he's feeling really good about himself. He's, he's, he's feeling like he could be really successful in wrestling. And so, yeah, he's really excited about that. So, and I'm excited for him. So he pinned it's him. one of those. So I don't know the details of how he won. He could have pinned him. He could have also uh, 
just scored more points than he did within the time. Okay. But uh but yeah. So but he's 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 having some success. So so I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's great. And so is yeah. he on a team? Like will he go to do meets and yeah. stuff? Yeah, he's gonna go to wrestling meets. It'll be interesting. I wonder if they'll They'll probably all have to wear masks at the meets. I know that your like, your northern one, uh, Rebecca's kids do wrestling. Yeah, all uh, many of my nieces and nephews do wrestle. Oh, that's so cool. Rebecca's kids wrestle. Nathan's kids wrestle. Nathan's kids are actually pretty good. Um, I know. And then in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's got a really, uh, it's a pretty competitive state for wrestling. Okay. So, um, yeah. Well, whenever Becca makes a video of it, she's always screaming the whole time. So she's one of those very encouraging mothers that's like <laughs> all in for her kid. And, yeah. You uh, hear like, pin him, doodle, pin him. Yeah. Come on, doodle, get him. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was like that. I, when I played basketball, I remember uh, it was always in like a gym, like the, Kind of like the wrestling, so you can yeah. you can actually hear. Also, in a junior high school basketball game, there's not like tons of cheering. There's some cheering because the parents are there, but yeah. I basically, you know, if a if a basketball game is four fifteen minute quarters, you know, it's like maybe an hour, and I think ours was probably less. It was probably like twelve minute quarters. Mm-hmm. I only usually played for about a minute and a half. It was per like quarter or the entire the game? whole game. I oh, okay. usually so got, your dad had to concentrate his focus yeah. on. But he always the, he, he always would say he always would yell and cheer, and thank goodness he didn't have to do it for very long. But <laughs> like I was, I would go out there and you know bouncy bouncy, it gets stolen, and I would go running, and I always ran, and I could get open for passes, but I never really shot much because. Once I had the ball, I didn't really know what to do with it in junior high. I just wasn't ever, basketball, just, I never got good at it. Um, and apparently the coach knew that because I would get thrown in there and like usually like the end of the third quarter because in that, at that level, every kid gets to have a turn. Yes. But the coach still wants to win. Yes. So so he wants to put you in at the time where you're going to cause the least damage. Exactly. And it was like Not always at the, be- for- at the beginning they want to have the ringers in there to kind of score points and make them feel demoralized. At the end they want the ringers in there so they can win the game, yeah. finish it. But in the third quarter, eh, we're ready to let Davy go in there and tickle the other players. Now to be fair, <laughs> uh not like I really want to defend myself because I really wasn't that good, but the it was we only had one team. It's a small Christian school, mm-hmm. so you have high school. It's a high school team, but then when I was in seventh and eighth grade, we got to be on the team. But oh, okay, it, it wasn't like there, there was some seventh and eighth graders like my friends, like Chris Ireland and Nick Ford. They got more playing time because they were actually they got pretty good. Um, and I just wasn't that good, but the fact is they were letting me out there. Some 85 pound little kid on the basketball, you know, in the real 
in the real game, and it was really more high school. Like the starting yeah. players basically played the whole time, and it was when they needed a drink of water that they would send me out there. Yeah, and to give them a drink. Yeah, of water. and it was a di- it was a disaster. I always <laughs> lost the ball. I always the most points I ever scored in a game was four. Yeah, I was never very good. And we we had the high school league in uh at Grace. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh that was I there were good teams that had good players on mm-hmm. it and then there were our team who we were the, like the total misfits. We were the worst players in the entire league. Yeah, I by far. I remember that and you could play like I've seen you play when we were on the team there and you did you know, a lot better. But I remember the very first time I ever saw you shoot a basketball. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because you shot it so hard at, and you were so close and it just went springing off. And I was like, <laughs> your first impression was terrible. I was like, wow, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you were nervous that time. But yeah, you were on the Grace yeah. team. I remember that. We were so bad. Though. Yeah, we were all terrible. So, so bad. I think when I played, we never won. I mean, zero. it wasn't even close. Z- like, zero wins the entire time. Yeah. I mean, we had fun. I, I joked that you tickled kids, but that actually was something that I did. Yeah, you, like, you tickled the kids. I remember that. I thought that was hilarious. Everybody thought that was <laughs> like, hilarious. <laughs> Except the kid getting tickled. And the ref he, who's trying he, to figure out Am I supposed to what? call a foul? I mean he's tickling. What is him. this kid doing? Yeah. Tickle tickle. Um yeah. I mean, as a middle and as a high school like sophomore, I thought that was comedic gold. Yeah. Um I I don't know. It was it was kind of silly. Well, you want to uh finish out Romans fourteen? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Romans 14, 20 through 23. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. We're still on the topic of kind of parsing out uh, sort of a combination of what you should and shouldn't eat or what you can and can't eat, and then also kind of how that applies to us in, in judging. Yeah. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable. But it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But... If you have doubts about whether you should or should not eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, then you're sinning. Romans 14, 20, and 23. Yeah, so so at the beginning of this, we're really rehashing something that, that we've already talked about in past days, that you really shouldn't do things around other people. You should be sensitive to people's convictions and you shouldn't be eating or drinking something that 
would cause someone else to have a problem or stumble. But at the end of this, where it says, blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something that they've decided is right, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should be eating something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. And this is the part that really kind of convicts me. It makes me think to myself, okay, it is true that there are certain things that I feel like I have the liberty to do, Mm -hmm. but there might be times where I might run into a situation Mm -hmm. where I feel like, for me, this is kind of a conviction. And if I ignore that conviction well, then that's wrong. Even though it would technically be acceptable, it wouldn't necessarily be wrong in and of itself, but if you if you have this doubt of whether or not it's right, it might be the Holy Spirit convicting you, giving you that conviction that it might not be something that's right for you. And I think that that's a really unique thing. Now, when, when I was visiting you, we read through this and we sort of talked this sort of a different, a different read on this. Uh, do you still feel that way or, uh, or have you, has your view changed since then? Well, I, and maybe you should explain what you're, yeah, what you were starting, the starting point is a little bit tough in my view it's kind of, I don't know, I guess simple, um, where he starts out in the exact same way as we discussed yesterday, where Paul is actually making a, a strong statement. It's not quite as strong because yesterday he's like, I know by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is wrong to eat or drink, right? He's yeah. like, but, and so that was a really strong opening line. But here it says, remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. And so the focus, at least in the outset, is, look, um, you're Gentiles, you have, you've got all different cultures, you've got different habits. This is not something you need to be making some legalistic issue of, these traditions mm-hmm. or whatever, one way or the other. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. And so the bottom line is whatever you want needs to take a backseat. You might believe that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. And that was really the part that I zeroed in on. Um, and I think I still do. I don't think I've changed too much. Although okay. I think I've softened on maybe some of the presentation. What okay. I focused in on there was you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. When my brother was contemplating getting a tattoo, he had all kinds of reasons why getting tattoos was not wrong. My dad was all kinds of reasons why tattoos are wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's got it. 
he's got all the Old Testament stuff pretty much. That's that's pretty much where it came from, and, and God didn't like it. And, I mean, it just goes, flies completely against, you know, I mean, sort of my dad's personality as well. But my brother, uh, he's he said his mind, he, he's telling me all this stuff, why it's fine and why it's not wrong. And my, my response to him was, look, if your body is not yours and you've given everything to the Lord and you don't own your body solely for yourself and by yourself, then who cares if it's right or wrong to get a tattoo or who cares if it's not wrong? Really, the only reason you should be doing it is if you can figure out what's right with it. If what you're doing is right and you're doing this for the Lord and you're getting a tattoo in a obedience and honoring God and you are doing this as an act of service to him, then sure. But you're not. You're getting a tattoo because you think it looks cool and you've always wanted one and you want to be badass and awesome. That's what you have in your mind. And so it's a selfish self you're doing it for yourself and you, and it's going to affect your relationships with, or potentially other Christians, other people who see it are going to think maybe less of you, whatever. So my idea was really, if you're trying to imagine what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, it, it's uh, perhaps missing the point where Paul is trying to say, look, Forget about that. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. You, you can you every you can justify anything, but if it's going to cause somebody else to stumble, if it's going to uh, be a bad testimony, don't don't do anything that's going to compromise you know your uh, example, your testimony, your message, just mm-hmm. so that you can do something that you like. And so it's kind of like don't use your standard of what is wrong. Use the standard of anything else. And then if it's going to potentially cause problems, just don't do it because you don't live for yourself anyway. You're, you're serving God with your body and your life and your decisions. And so that was yeah. really kind of like the aha moment is everything he's been saying is, yeah, it's not wrong. Yeah, it's not wrong. It's, yeah, it's not wrong. But everything he follows it up with is, but just don't do it. If it's going to cause a problem, like why do you need these little creature comforts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in 23, mm-hmm. I think it really is talking about a totally new idea. You're right. It has been saying it's not wrong, mm-hmm. and it has been saying don't cause others to stumble and don't uh you know, don't bicker about things and build each other up. It's been going down that road. But in 23, it comes across as something where it's talking about you personal as a person. You you personally, we're not talking about anyone else now, but we're talking about if you personally have doubts on whether or not you should eat something. Yeah. You are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So this is the flip side of the idea that, you know, everything's acceptable. But 
now we have this sort of new idea that's introduced that the Holy Spirit may be giving you doubts, maybe convicting you that certain things aren't right. Mm-hmm. And and if you feel like that these things aren't right, well, then you shouldn't be doing it. And and in your particular case, even though the, whatever this thing is would be normally acceptable, in and of itself would be not wrong, but in your case, it becomes wrong. And I thought that this was, at least for me, very... Very interesting. When I read this, there were things that came to mind that I thought, okay, I have been, you know, these are things that I could give to God. I could, exp- I could say, all right, God, you're right. I have my doubts. I'm going to believe that you're convicting me of this, and I'm going to choose not to do this because it potentially could be sin. Now, when we had this conversation, what I recall is that you really didn't like even that thought. You were like, no, no, you're getting too legalistic. And it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm trying to put that, the, that verse, verse 23, into action. If I do feel that the Holy Spirit is putting doubts in my, in my heart and convicting me of things, then I want to be sensitive to that as well as being sensitive to other believers. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think it's, I think you were right in that, in that context. If, if you're feeling, uh, prompted by the Holy spirit to do something or maybe abstain from something, then yeah, you better listen. That makes, that makes perfect sense to me. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think we would have any disagreement. I just kind of feel a little bit, maybe, maybe because I'm still a little bit, I don't want to say immature, but maybe it's an immature, uh, thing, but I read what, what Paul says and it's like, yeah, well for me, it's fine. And I know when I've done something that, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like the. It's not like I'm sitting here going, all right, is there anything in my life that I could probably polish up? Well, there is, but it's moment to moment, right? So it's like, okay, well, I know not to do that again. Yeah, I mean, and then when I come across it, it's like, okay, it's like a momentary thing. But, um, you know, the idea of, yeah, everything's fine. So like for me, I'm not really too worried about it. And so perhaps I should be, but it's instead of trying to think of, well, is there something and then trying to say, okay, going forward, it's a new commitment or a new thing. Um, I think it's on one hand, a great exercise because you're already a Christian. You're already growing in Lord and you're trying to see what else needs to go on the altar. So in the, in the, like it says, Um, if you believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, keep it between yourself and God. I would say that the, a good advice is if you think that there is something wrong with it, keep it between yourself and God, (laughs) like both, both and because he's, he's Hmm. basically saying, don't judge other people. Don't, 
don't be looking at them and hurt them. Like they're going to stand before God. That's what we dealt with earlier in the chapter. It was kind of like, don't be too hard on them because look, in and of itself, it's not wrong. You don't know where they're at. And so, you know, he called them the weaker Christian. Like don't just go harp on them for what they're eating and drinking. And here he's saying, and you might think there's nothing wrong. He's this. I think the whole thing is the flip side. I think he started with the one side of the coin earlier in the chapter saying, don't look at someone else, meaning you're the one with the standard. Don't look at those weaker brothers and sisters who don't keep your standard and judge them. The flip side Mm -hmm. is, all right, now you're the strong person and everything's okay. Don't keep it to yourself and maybe don't flaunt it to the people who are the weaker brothers and sisters who have a guilty conscience about certain things that they really shouldn't because, you know, it's almost like he does. He's talking to both people. And then at the end, he's like, but, you know, for all you people who are very liberal and you're very free and you're um, you feel free to do a lot of other things. Just remember, if it's bothering your conscience, there's probably a reason for that. And so it's kind of like, just by the way, we're not we're not saying everything's under the sun is fine. Just go try it and uh, live fun and fancy free necessarily. He's like, but check your conscience, like don't violate the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. like the kind of the final, yeah, but don't do that. Don't go too far to me. Yeah, and and like we've said in other weeks, this is talking about sort of gray areas. Like what should we eat? Well, the, the Jews had regulations on what they should and shouldn't eat, and the Gentiles didn't, and so now it's, it, it's kind of like, well, it used to be black and white, now it's more gray, and this isn't talking about you know, overt sin that everyone would bank robbery. Yeah. I don't know why we always go to bank robbery, but it isn't. Uh, Because it's the ninth commandment and God put it at number nine for a reason because it's the most important. That's how you know. Yes. Yes. That is how you know. You're not, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter how free you are. Bearing false witness, never, never okay. Yeah. So yeah, so it's it is interesting that uh, it's interesting to me that it is that on one hand Paul says that things are acceptable and they're not wrong, and then at the same time he's saying that but there will be people who have their doubts and are convicted, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it's just it's just a very interesting thing to me, so, um, and it's 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 something I think that for me personally, I just want to, I want to be, I want to be doing the things that God wants us wants me to do, and so I want to be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but at the same time, I don't want to be legalistic to the point where I'm I'm nixing things that God meant for me to experience freedom in yeah so